First of all, I'm going to for everyone for coming and uh, dedicating your time in this late evening for a vad. So a little bit of a mystery. What exactly is a vad? What is the purpose of vad? And what are we doing in this particular vad? So I'd like to uh, start with, I guess, two agdamas, and then we'll get right into it. And we'll try to do whatever we can. But as Hashem, a lot of siyata deshmaya. I, I did spend many, many hours on the plane writing most of these shurim. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to read my own notes as there was some turbulence and different times. But Baruch Hashem, we're able to come up with a new series, Be'ezus Hashem. But before we start that, what is a vad? So traditionally, a vad is a group of people that get together to try and work on themselves. To try and work on themselves in a real way, it's generally a group that are mature enough to understand, to hear, and to really put in the effort. So I thought that we could do this. This is a third-year program. These are guys who have been Baruch Hashem in the yeshiva for third year and more, three years and more. And I think we're going to do something which we've never, ever done before. We've never we've never even got into these subjects before in any shurim that I remember in yeshiva. And uh, I want to try to tackle it now. I really believe that um, as I was trying to write it, and I specifically wanted to write it to put it into like, to quantify it, to put it into notes, to put it into somewhere I could read from, where I could sort of have some kind of, sort of, you know, some method to go through the method, otherwise just start randomly speaking won't get anywhere. So I, I did really feel that if we, if we get into this properly, it can really, really help us in a tremendous way in so many, so many different ways of life, whether it's, you know, our interaction with other people, our roommates, our rebellion, our friends, but also our parents, also in Mitzvah our wives, our children, our, you know, whether it's our workmates or bosses or whatever it is, the people that we interact with, but more importantly, within ourselves. And that's really something that we're going to try to do in these Vadim. We're going to try to meet once a week to try to do this and try to develop week by week, build up where we're trying to get to. And we'll see how far we get. No promises to how far we get. There's a lot of deep stuff sometimes that we're going to be mentioning. It's Kedai if you can to write things down for your own personal review, for your own Chazarov, especially things that are quite difficult. We're going to try to go to as much as we can. So it's about self-growth. That's really what we're doing. Um, I'm calling the series Healthy Emotions because that's really what it's about. I'll explain to you where I'm coming from. Today really is going to be a pure Hagdoma. We're not going to get further than a Hagdoma. And just to get the surface of what we're going to be discussing. Okay, so we'll start like this. This is the Hagdoma, and then we'll get into actually what we're doing. In Ori Yisrael, Rabbi Shal Salanta brings down that he explains how correcting our character begins with understanding ourselves, understanding who we are. And it's very, very important because when we view ourselves and our inner workings, we have to view ourselves in a very positive light. We cannot brand in any way any of our inner mechanisms in, you know, as essentially evil, as many of us may unfortunately do when we go deep inside ourselves. We may say, well, oh gosh, that's pretty bad if I do that. And we label ourselves as evil and that's a terrible thing because we have a beautiful operating system composed of so many different traits, character traits, which are crucial for our personal function in this world. And we have to be able, and this is what we're going to try to do, to step back, to take a step back from being who we are and view ourselves objectively. Now, we, we, we have to understand ourselves, meaning what are our impulses what are the things that drive us both in the good and both in the bad 
of which our personality is basically composed of. For example, just to give you a, a, a random example, there are many people that desire and want money, right? But it's important to understand the root of the desire, right? The Rambam says in the beginning of Mishnah Torah Hilchas Deus, Perik Aleph, Aloch Aleph, he brings a number of reasons why a person likes money. Why does a person desire money? He brings three reasons. Reason number one, there's certain pleasure that it brings. Number two, there's a social status that it can also attain. And number three, people like to hoard cash, they like to hoard money. In other words, these are all various, you know, symptoms, but they are very different in the heart. We have to understand what works behind all the decisions that we make and the things that go on. Just to give another example on a more physical way, why do we do the things that we do? Why do we act the way we act? Why do we say the things we say? And why do we think the way we think? For example, why is it that you'll have a guy, and this was a true story in America, of a guy that's standing on the side of the subway, and he sees, he notices a guy who has an epileptic fit, and he falls onto the, the rails, he falls on mummish all the way down, and he instinctively, he's got his child there, he's got a, a, a stroller with you know a baby or two, whatever it is, and instinctively, without even thinking, in a split second, he jumps onto the tracks, and there's an oncoming train, you can hear the oncoming train, right? And this was the true miser, and he bends down, and he misses the train by inches of his head, and he saves that person's life. Now, what causes a person, in a second, to make such a decision like that? And what happens, for example, where we have stories of people doing totally the opposite, where they don't care about anyone and will never do anything for anyone? What is it that causes us to do the things that we do and make the decisions that we make? We have so many different types of people in the world. Is it our background? Is it what we grew up with? Our education? Our families? Or is it that what causes our decisions? That can't be. Because there are many people who are given great families, great education, great opportunities, and they end up in rehab. And then you have people that had terrible opportunities and grew up in terrible homes with a terrible dysfunction, you know, situation going on over there, but yet they come out the best. So, so what is it that makes our decisions? And that's something we have to go into the core of who we are, because in order to change what we are and what we do, which is what the Vilna Goyen says, our entire purpose of the world is is to perfect ourselves, to become that perfect person. So we have to really try to understand what are the decisions and why we make those decisions. And perhaps then we can try to figure something out. Now, the truth is, most people try to hide from themselves. Most people don't really try to hide from themselves. They're very scared to confront and acknowledge the impulses that drive them because deep down they think, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to find so many things that are wrong with me. I just don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. Like if I'm going to stop for a moment and think about who I am, there's a famous story I'm sure you've heard before of Rabbi Dr. Tversky, who was an absolute genius when it came to addictions and so many things and so many people around the world, Jewish and non-Jewish, relied on him. And he once tells over that I think he wrote somewhere similar to like 70 books. And they said, like, how did you have the time to do that? And he said, actually, it's only one book written in 70 ways. And the basic idea of all of the books is about low self-esteem. And he doesn't call it low self-esteem. He calls them all a different name. But that's basically the Tzad Shava, the common denominator of all of the books is self-esteem. And he says a story about himself. We spoke about this once before. If I remember, maybe it was in the Shiddah classes. He said that when he once went away to a spa, and it was a very specific spa. It wasn't a regular spa. It was a spa that he had to be alone. 
Now, he was very excited. He was a busy doctor. He had a very busy practice. He was extremely busy on emails with people phone calling around the world. And he was so excited to get his own time, to relax and chill and enjoy his own personal space. He gets to the spa and it works. There's no phones, no books, no newspapers, nothing. He can't have anything there. And there he is enjoying the spa for the first like 10, 15 minutes. He's just chilling. It's great. It's wonderful. Like it's like bliss, right? Everybody would think the same way. Let's just enjoy our own personal time. That's amazing, right? Until he realized after a certain amount of time, he was actually sick of being with himself. He didn't enjoy his own company because it means you have to think about who you are and what you're doing. And for some people that can be really, really hard. It's very hard for admit that something is wrong with us. And therefore what we do is generally we live our lives with the illusion that basically everything's fine and nothing's wrong with us. The Vilna Goin writes the most fascinating idea. This is the Vilna Goin says in many, many places that even though our impulses may drive us to do bad things, they were actually created to be redirected to do something good. In fact, every inclination and every koyach nefesh can be channeled to serve Hashem. I'll read to the Loshan. Of the, of the Gro al Mishle. This is the Vilna Goin al Mishle, Perik Zion, Posuk Lamad Gimel, where he writes, Hayyetzahora Nitzrach Lavoydesabura. Our Yetzahora, our impulse that normally makes us do the wrong thing, is vital, it's necessary to serve Hashem. Ach, she ekovish tachas yodcha, nishtamish boy lavoydes Hashem, veloy le dova achechas shalom. The way we have to do it is we have to channel those drives, those impulses to the right direction. And, and when we do that, that's our avoider, and it can be used for avoider Hashem. Meaning the Vilna Goyen is telling us taiva is extremely important, it's crucial. The, if I'm not mistaken, the Maral, the Maral in Perkyovas also has a similar idea, where the Maral writes in Perkyovas, kin of a taiva of a covenant, medicine, sa'odom and oilam. These are the three things that bring a person out of the world, says the Maral, but you need those three. Because if you don't have those three, you'll never live, and you'll never live with success. Because you have to learn how to channel that which you have. And that is starts with understanding who we are. There's a Mordeka Rub Tzodik HaKoyin. Rub Tzodik HaKoyin writes on a word that we've heard many, many times, which we're not explaining now. And the word is Klippas. Right? Klippas, Klippas, Klippas. Rub Tzodik HaKoyin writes an amazing thing. He says that what is a Klippa? Klippa is a peel. It's a shell. Whenever you have a peel or a shell, you peel it off, you have a beautiful fruit inside Says Rup Tzadik HaKain, we may have clippers, we may have all sorts of things that maybe are attacking us or in our thoughts, in our, in our deeds, in our actions, whatever they are. But if we're able to peel back those clippers, we will reveal a beautiful fruit underneath. And the truth is, and this is the last part of the Hadama, we have to be comfortable to be uncomfortable. And that's an important thing. That means we sometimes live our lives without ever thinking. Because it's uncomfortable really to look beneath the surface. We're scared to look beneath the surface. Because then we're going to really see what's going on inside us and how we think. Just a, 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 a Ruchnius example now. You know, we have to be comfortable with the following question. Is our Shemona Esra real? Like, is it real? Or are we just saying it? Is there a real connection to the Rabbi Nishlonim when we daven? Are we talking to someone? It's a scary question because the answer might be no. The answer might be, I'm just mouthing the words, and I'm just fake, and therefore I'm a nothing, and therefore I don't oven, and who knows what that will bring. So we tend to like to say, no, 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 don't discuss it. But we have to ask ourselves these questions. Is our relationship with our parents where it should be? Is our relationship with our wife, our children, our friends, our roommates, our chavrusas, our rebellion, whatever it may be, is it real? Is it coming from a real place? Is our simcha sachaim, is it real? We have to ask ourselves these things. 
These are things that we have to peel away the clippers to try to reveal the fruit, as Sodik Cohen said, but it's uncomfortable. You know, imagine if you build your own house. Now, you're going to have to give answers why you put the wall over there and not over there, because otherwise in 20 years' time, you're going to ask yourself, what did what they build over here? We don't want to look by in 30 years' time and say, what am I? What did I do? What have I accomplished? Where am I? Let's do it right now. So that is the general hagdoma that I want to give the Olam. We have to learn to understand ourselves. Now, in order to understand ourselves, we're going to start the topic. The topic is, as I said, healthy emotions. And we're going to try to understand as much as we can. And again, this goes into the deep parts of Anushama, why we do what we do, why we think what we think, and all of the responses that come together to that. We're going to learn now about our emotional structure and how exactly our emotions work, which enable us to direct our emotions and our personality in the correct direction. That's a very, very important thing that we're learning. Now, if you look in the psychology books, for example, for the last like 60 years, they've been busy with something called emotional intelligence. It's referred to as EQ. It's like IQ, but it's actually emotional intelligence, EQ. Now, the idea basically is that there's a tremendous amount of intellect that comes not from your brain, but rather from your emotions, okay? And this obviously will change how we think and react to many of the situations that come up in our lives. And if we recognize where it's coming from, then we can learn to direct it to the place that it should be if it's in the wrong place. Okay, now, this is a concept, as I told you, has been discussed in the psychology books for like 60 years, but now in the last 20 years, it's becoming like a big thing in psychology, this, you know, uh, idea of emotional intelligence. In fact, it comes, obviously, like everything does, from the Torah. Everything comes from the Torah. You look at the Torah, you find absolutely everything. It's incredible. So I'm going to give you two Maramokimus, where this comes from, and then we'll move into it. Maramokim number one is when the Torah discusses building a Mishkan. So when it discusses what type of people the Rabbeinu Shalom wants Moshe Rabbeinu to choose to be able to build a Mishkan, the Torah describes someone as V'chol Chacham Leiv. Literally means anyone that is wise in the heart. Now we know the lave, the heart, is a symbol of emotion. The brain is a symbol of intellect. And the Torah specifically refers to the person that the Rabbi wants Moshe Rabbeinu to assist with building the Mishkan, is v'chol chacham lave, someone that's wise in his heart. Okay? That it means it's not enough a person who's clever in intellect, in his brain power, but we need a person that's emotionally clever. Now that's one idea. Another idea, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, right? The goal of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was to take Kalal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim and give them Torah. But if you note, and we all know this, we were not given the Torah as soon as we left Mitzrayim. Why not? We actually got it seven weeks later, 49 days later. That means that Kalal Yisrael were obviously undeveloped. They were simply, it was premature. They were not ready to be able to receive the Torah, they needed seven weeks, 49 days to develop themselves, to work on themselves specifically in character development, right? We'll see later on, seven weeks, 49 days, I'll be Kabbalah, we'll get there. But our Kaponim, we needed to be emotionally ready for Kabbalah Satoya. Intellect is something that can be explained. We can explain someone a concept. We can explain someone an idea and they can understand it. Intellect works from the outside in, 
we understand something, we get it, and we internalize it, right? And we can change, right? It means that if someone explains to you something, okay, that makes sense, I get it, my intellect works, it's wonderful, right? Now, it obviously wasn't good enough for the Rabboni Shalom to explain us what to do and give us the Torah when we left Mitzrayim, because then we would have got it right when we left Mitzrayim, but we didn't. We had to have 49 days, which was seven weeks, because it obviously couldn't just be taught by Moshe Rabbeinu and then go and receive the Torah, because emotions work differently. It's how we express ourselves from the inside, outside. And that's why it had to be awaited. So yes, the Rabbi Nishlam revealed himself very clearly in Mitzvah Mitzrayim, but if it was all about intellect, then in that case, Rabbi Nishlam, Moshe Rabbeinu, teach us the intellect, teach us what there was to know, give us the Torah right away. But no, the Rabbi Nishlam says, you guys are not ready. You need 49 days, because you need to be able to refine, not the intellect, but the character. And that's from the inside, and that's emotions, and that takes seven weeks, which we'll get to. It's not something that can simply be explained, right, to us. That's intellect. It's something that needed to be done on our own, and that's our intellect with emotions, as we're going to get to. Now, emotions are very, very crucial. For example, in parenting, let's take an example, right? You have a child, everyone's going to have a child, but it is money. And parents put a huge amount of effort and work into the academic development of their children. And they worry so much about them when it comes to this, the studying that, and are they going to get that, and do they hop this, and whatever it may be. That's the academic development of their child, which is important. But they worry very little and you'll meet very little parents that are busy worrying about the emotional stability of the child. In other words, we preach and we teach our children values. Now, values are very important, don't get me wrong. Values are very harsh. Every child needs to have values, right? Because without values, what, what is a child? And But the problem is that a parent thinks that if we teach values, that will shape their personality. We teach our children what's right and what's wrong, which is important. That's values. Now, values in the absence of healthy emotions is almost worthless. For example, a child that grows up with very clear, good values, but his emotional stability is rocky, and there are studies done about this, and he was never given an opportunity to fully manage their emotions, those values will have very little effect. So what you teach your child will almost be worth nothing because they don't have an emotional stability. Value is not an emotion, it's intellect. You can understand what's right and what's wrong, right? But you can know what's bad and what's good. But if you don't know how to emotionally manage it and express it, then it's almost worth nothing. What shapes our personality of a person, and every one of us, is not our values, is not our understanding, it's our emotions, what shapes your character is what you feel, not what you understand. Okay? For example, when a child is born, a baby is born, we all know, we can see the presence of the emotion way before we can see the presence of the intellect. And that's very, very clear. Kids, exp- they express their emotion way before they express their intellect. Why is that? Why is it that a child expresses his emotions way before the intellect? Because the emotional state of a person is the essence of who he is. And that's how it is. In other words, of course a person needs intellect, we have to do that. To guide the emotions. But that's why kids don't necessarily have such a good structure at the beginning. 
because they just have their emotions because that's who they are. That's the core of who they are and how what they make decisions. They cry. They, they're sad. They're angry. Whatever it may be. They express emotions before intellect. A child, a baby doesn't have any uh, intellect. But it's okay because their essence is not their intellect. They have to learn intellect. But the essence is really their emotions. That means in order for us to be able to direct our emotions, we have to discover and understand the structure of every one of our emotions that are inside every one of us. Now, in order to understand why we feel the way we do, why we react the way we do, why we're happy, why we're sad, why we're guilty, why we're angry, why we're jealous, all of these things and more, we have to understand where they're coming from, and then we have to learn how to redirect them in the correct way. We're now going to begin, and we're going to end also. We're going to begin the subject, and we're going to end. In Kabbalah, it's taught very clearly that the Rabbani Shalom created the world and revealed the formula of the Esospheres, the ten powers. These are the ten tools of creation. These are the ten forms of divine energy. And all of existence that we see and we know was created by these Esospheres, by these ten powers. Now, we, it's true, we find an eleventh, that's Keser, that's the crown, because even though it's not part of the ten, because that's the driving force behind all of the ten. I'm going to go through the ten now, and then the Mitzvah Shem, next Vad, we're going to go through them one by one, and the Ik explain the ones that I want to. I wish we'll go through all of them, maybe one day, but I can't imagine we're going to have enough time to go through all of them, because I really want to get to a couple of them, the Ikka, because they shape who we are and the decisions that we make. The Esther spheres, the ten spheres, and I'm going to divide them into the way that we're going to speak about them, are divided into three categories. And they go like this. The first one is Chochmah, Bina, Vadas. Chochmah is wisdom. Bina, understanding. Das, knowledge. I'm not going to go into them. That's not our discussion right now. That's the highest. That's the first one. Then we have the six primary emotional tools, emotional energies. And that is Chesed, which is loving kindness, Gevura, which is mightiness, and Teferesh, which is beauty. We then move to the third section, which is Netzach, which is translated as victory, Hoid, splendor, Yisoid, which is foundation. And after that, you have number 10, which is Malchus, which is the power that puts all of them together and creates the creation. Malchus absorbs all of the above and puts it into an actual creation. Now remember, when the Rabboni Shalom created us, he created us to mirror the divine structure. Our DNA has all of these 10 driving forces. Of course, the 11th Kesser, which is way above all of that. And what I'd like to do, but Esen Hashem, not going into Chochmah Bina Vadas, but to go into the six primary emotional tools and energies and explain who we are, what we're more noted towards, and how we can redirect them to become what we need to become. But Esen Hashem, we'll do that next time. Shkoi for joining us.